Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. We're good. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do it. Okay. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. And uh, here with me today, I've got two guys that, you know, left They Might Be Giants, the greatest band of all time. It's kind of weird. But I've got the John Henry rhythm section here Tony, Maimone, and Brian Doherty to talk about. AKA Driver. How's everybody doing out there tonight? Oh, it's, it, you know, I'm doing well. I had to get myself some iced coffee here. I usually don't drink coffee this late, but I've got a pretty high tolerance. But I, you know, got to have uh, the juices flowing for this important episode. I've been looking forward to this for a while, fellas. And I want to thank you again. This is going to be one of the charity episodes, and I will be uh, expediting this to come out next week. Um, so, because people are, you know, as soon as I post a picture of us, which, by the way, I need to take a picture of us, and people are going to be like, I want to hear that episode. Are you guys ready for a picture? Yeah, let me just look at myself. Hold on. You look great. You, you don't look like you've been working for 10 hours straight. You look... <laughs> how's, that, how's that look? I look good? You look fine, yeah. All right, you guys ready? Three, yep. two, one. Um, yes, this charity episode, it is to help raise money for my student, Garrett, who will be starting his, uh, chemotherapy for his, um, brain tumors, brain cancer. This will be starting in August. He's already made it through radiation. I mean, the kid's 12 years old. Having to go through that, um, at that age, having to go through that at any age is just awful. And he's 12, but he's doing it like a champ. I saw him about partway through his radiation, um... He only lives about 20 minutes away from me, 
But I was able to... The, my first donation push, which was for merchandise from my bands, and I donated my Patreon take from April, totaled $6,600. And... Amazing. Uh, and then I did a second push and donated my May take. I, t- I told people, I'm like, join the Patreon, even if you just join for a month, because it makes me donate more. So that got me up to $510 on Patreon. I raised a little bit more money. I had a friend, Daryl Till, who sold his EP and gave me the money. And I was able to donate another $900. And so now I'm continuing, wow. continuing these charity episodes, as well as a charity compilation that Tony here and his son are on doing a cover of minimum wage. So nice, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> well, the whole thing was Brian, I had intended Brian to play drums on it. And I was just working like with the drum machine loop. And then my kids, he's standing behind me <laughs> and he starts going. <laughs> and Brian, I got to cut for your son, huh? All right. <laughs> cut you out of it, man. Brian, you sound pretty busy though. You know, honestly. So uh, this is actually the first time I've made that. This is the first time I made that information public. So this is the first time listeners are hearing about you being on. Uh, the, I mean, it's just so cool here. A, a former member of They Might Be Giants, but covering a song that was from before your era. It's just, uh, it's a cool thing. You know, it's like TMBG covering TMBG, but it's where it doesn't cross over. It's, it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Thanks so much for being a part of that, man. That is really cool. And I know, like, uh, everybody here, uh, in my household, we're all sending Garrett, you know, like, uh, light and love. And, you know, I hope he's, uh, gonna do well. One of uh, my friends uh, that works at Studio G, who was working with me, uh, wasn't feeling good one day, and we went outside. I needed some air, and he was sitting down and uh, just like on the pavement with his back to the wall. And you know, we decided we better call the EMT, and they came and they asked him if he had had coffee, and he said yes. And they asked if he had had lunch, and or breakfast and he said no so they thought that maybe he had coffee jitters but two weeks later the same thing hit him and he went to ny langone nyu langone where they checked him out and it turned out that he had a brain tumor mm-hmm. um and they took out the tumor he went through the radiation and then he went into uh immunotherapy and now he's been in full remission for more than a year that's great so i i hope that gareth uh has the same good luck and the good fortune just to be able to leave that little challenge behind him, mm-hmm. which we're all going to hope and pray that he will. Ditto, ditto. Yes. Yes. Cheers. Yeah. To that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's scary. Cause like, well, he's a, he, he's a twin. So his uh, sister, Chloe was, you know, had good attendance at school and all this, but like, you know, Garrett kept getting sick and, you know, I mean, a fifth grader, it's like, ah, you know, you're not that sick. It's fine. You know, we'll keep you home, but you're fine. And, like, he was just starting to get more and more, like, tired. He had trouble getting out of bed. And then he started throwing up. And then his mom's like, okay, you know, he's got headaches, and now he's throwing up. Like, what's going on? He doesn't have the flu. Like, there's no fever. And he's starting to, like, throw up. So she finally takes him in. It's like, shit. Like, they were able to remove 90% of the tumor. But, I mean, you you can only get so close when you're you're doing surgery there. And it's just like, man, I can't even imagine it. So I was talking oh, to his mom. It sounded yeah. like when he was starting the radiation, he was pretty, I mean, obviously, I would be really scared. I can't imagine. Because they have to essentially, like, bolt his head down. 
that's they, what they had to do to my friends. There can't same. be any movement, right? They're they're shooting some really crazy stuff at that tumor. You can't have it touch any other part of your brain, or that is that is not not good. So, uh, but it sounds like after that first one, you know, his mom was like, "Yeah, he was a champ." After that, as long as he's got his tablet, <laughs> just like any other fifth grade, it's like you know, it's like, yeah. "All right, go ahead, bolt me down," and then you know, just, I'll just play Kids something. Are so amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we're all bad, so you can imagine. Well, I can just barely imagine what that might feel like. Yeah, I mean, my oh. mom's a breast cancer survivor, but you know. Going through it as an adult is tough, but yeah, at twelve, it's like and and being his mom. So I just really wanted to support her because she's a single mom. She's a two-time cancer survivor. Oh my goodness! Breast cancer and thyroid cancer. Phew. And their dad died in a snowmobile accident when they were six. So it's overall just like trauma after trauma for this family. And I just like I'm I've I've had in my seventeen years teaching, I've had two students who have had cancer. Um, and one of them did not make it. And so I was like, this time around, I'm like, I got to do something like whatever, you know, what do I know how to do my side hustles? Right. I got my bands. We got t-shirts, whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll try selling those. And like a bunch of my students bought them. Cause we have like really cute t-shirts, right? <laughs> like our dogs and cats representing us like <laughs> on the t-shirt. So kids <laughs> bought them. I had to buy all these youth size t-shirts. I had to have my friend print them all up. And, you know, and like the podcast and people have been supporting the pod, you know, everyone that's listening, you know, on the, upon this first release, it will be free in a month. But uh, the people that are listening right now, right away upon release, thank you for being a Patreon subscriber or purchasing the download. Yeah, thanks, folks. Yeah, thank you. Go to a good cause. Yes, yeah. 100% of the money that comes in on the Bandcamp sale for this is going to the Kiefer family. So, yes, thank you, fellas, for being on. And to get to a little more lighthearted topic, some rock and roll talk. So, you guys have already both been on the show. Tony was on earlier this year. You were talking about Snail Shell, of course, that iconic bass line, a slap bass. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about slide bass, two things that have never been on They Might Be Giant songs until you came along, uh, or since. Uh, and um, Brian, you were on the Bells of Ring episode, which was over a year ago. So, very excited to have you back on. We're talking about AKA yeah. Driver, AKA NyQuil Driver. I don't know. If, do you guys remember anything about that? I'm sure that had more to do with, you know, flans and like management being like maybe, you, or Electra being like maybe you shouldn't call it that. Do you remember any of the stories about that? The title? Well, you know, uh, their management, you know, Jamie. Was a, is a lawyer. Right. And so he would have been the one that would have said, look, you know, once we start to sell this song, then we're selling our product with another product name on it. Sure. So why don't we change it? I mean, I like AKA Driver better anyway. I, I, I think it's a better title. And, and you're allowed to say NyQuil in the song, but you just can't title it that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't remember so much about us being in that discussion. No. Right. Because you guys yeah. were the musical end of it. I mean, when you were, you're part of the writing, there weren't any lyrics yet. Right. I mean, let's, yeah. yeah, let's, I mean, let's just start there, though. I mean, though, on this point, I will read the little thing that's on the wiki here. There's a uh, from TMB, tmbg.com archives, uh, according to Flans. Uh, it was a brief education for us all in the difference between protected speech and trademark infringement. 
Although it was a possibility that we could have gotten away with it or settled with the NyQuil manufacturers for a small amount of money, the path of least hassle was simply omitting the name from the package. And so, yes, he says, he goes on to say, you can pretty much say anything in a song about a product that's protected, you know, freedom of speech. Uh, But if you title a song after a trademark product and then sell that, you're risking, you know, them saying you're infringing on our trademark. So that makes sense, you know. And yeah, a.k.a. Driver, like it's it's very kind of like sly, like NyQuil Driver, a.k.a. Driver. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's neat. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, then the little, you know, you guys need to beef up the wiki here for me. The, the point on the wiki that talks about you guys says the song was a collaboration between the Johns, Tony Maimone and Brian Doherty. Doherty recalled that quote, it came about while on stage in St. Louis as Flans implored the audience to come to our neck, our gig the next night in Chicago as just a full day's drive away. And we, we, we touched on this briefly on uh, the episode that was so long ago. Bells are ringing. Um, and then you, and then later we fleshed out the song in Brooklyn and then the wiki goes on to say, it seems most likely that the St. Louis show could be the one on September 11th, 1993 with the next night's show being in Bonner Springs, Kansas. There were no known shows in Chicago through 1993 and 1994. So either way, a full day's drive away to Bonner Springs, Kansas, I was probably (laughs) accurate as well. So is that first bit, uh, accurate, uh, that, you were jamming something out on stage in St. Louis. So what, what, what do we remember we, we, about this? We did a lot of jamming actually because, you know, Paul Angeli who, or whoever was doing the sound would just want us to play a little bit. And we'd been playing the songs, you know, every night. So we would just start. I remember quite often we would just start playing something. I remember once, Brian, remember we, we were uh, we were actually starting to work a little bit on that Meters tune. Oh, yeah. Sissy Strut. Yeah, Sissy Strut. And, and I think Linnell was in the back in the, <laughs> he was back in the uh, the dressing room getting a cup of coffee, of course, right? Of course. <laughs> and uh, I remember he kind of wandering out and he came up on stage and he came up to, to Flans and he went, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> You know how he would just be yeah, yeah. so totally dry. <laughs> but that's definitely, we would just like, uh, because the way Brian plays, you know, he's a groove master. When someone plays drums like that, I can play, I can just play. Yeah. And that's what we would do. And um, and then I don't know if that happened live, but it might have. You know, I mean, like the Johns were pretty, uh, they were pretty relaxed you know, about the improv areas of the set. You know what I mean? Like, you weren't improving in the chorus of Birdhouse. But, you know, <laughs> but they were they were definitely fine with, uh, you know, like some hijinks here and there if yeah. they were musical and they, and they were fun. But, Brian, like, do you remember, like, were we kind of like tightening up the arrangement at Accello? Remember we did those... Yeah. We yes. did those re- the demo recordings before we went up to Bearsville, uh-huh. yeah. and I kind of remember working on the arrangement then. Yes, uh, so it all the, Tony spot on, and um, I do have memories about this song, but I hope I don't disappoint if we if I lead the listener, you know, to a certain point, and then we and then 
and totally crap out. But um, yeah, I second that. I yeah. second that. Exactly. You know, it, it would kind of be in theme with the Johns to like mislead yeah. people intentionally. You could be like, no, the wiki's completely wrong. We wrote it when we were on tour in Antarctica. You know, exactly. the penguins, the penguins were clapping along. That was, yeah. Yeah, so, I would have went to Antarctica. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I know, right? Play for the scientists, right? Here comes <laughs> science, baby. It's like, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Brian, go ahead. Get to the improvisational aspect. Like, I, def, I, I have de- definite memories of, like, usually toward the end of a song where, like, Fl- Flans or Linnell, because it would just be a, an extension of their, of their sense of humor, you know, we would end a song, but instead of putting a button on it, we would go into something else. Uh-huh. <laughs> riff. Sometimes Tony had a riff. Sometimes Flans had riffs. Linnell would have riffs. And like, if you listen to, you know, Spy is an obvious like song that came out of this like jam sort mm-hmm. of thing. Was one, mm-hmm. one. But um, I think that to my recollection, that's where the full day's drive away thing came from and then it was just i I don't know if it was just being silly of course it's being silly but to to us it just seemed very 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 funny you know and um (laughs) i remember leaving the stage and just like we were just cracking up it was just like it was it was just good times you know yeah yeah so did it start with that drum part i mean that you know got the two hands on the hi-hat how yeah how did it materialize then no it was actually nothing like that at all oh i mean when we when we jammed on it, it was just like a just like a, a twelve eight gink a gink a you know like and that was like the end of the song you know but, yeah. but what I'm what I'm trying to get to is that and I could I could tie it into what Tony was saying was we had such a great time with this thing and maybe we did it one or two more nights and it was flames. Flans who brought me and Tony in, and I think it was there was there was a greater effort. I mean, to Flans's credit, he was trying to bring us into like met, Tony. Remember, Flans would like ask us to like do grooves for him or samples, and there was like I I never I never did any for him. I don't think, but there was a period where Flans was trying to bring us in, uh, just to like bring us into the fold more and to perhaps beef up an, an income stream. You oh, know, so like but, songwriting wise, you mean? Yeah, yeah, he was looking out for us. So um, he asked me, me and Tony, me, Tony, I think either we went into Excello or we may have gone, gone into Coyote just to rehearse that song. You're me, right. You and Flan. You are right. Yeah. So, and, yeah, tell, tell the listeners, this is, uh, okay, so Coyote. Coyote. Coyote was our home away from home. Uh, no, uh, Coyote was a, stu- a rehearsal studio that was home to They Might Be Giants on Barry, no, North Six between Barry and White, right? Right, Tony? Yep. Right across from Top's Grocery. <laughs> Top's still there, Tony? No, that whole shit. That street now is like Soho. Oh, no. Darn it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a gap on that street. Oh uh, no, boo! But well, that's that's the whole whole all of Williamsburg's like that now. Yeah. But yeah, I think, it, and it wasn't the whole band. It no, was just the trio, three of us. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, oh. wait, Linnell wasn't there. You mean Linnell was not there? No, huh. no. And it was so Linnell so. Tony and I are having the same recollection and how the 16th note thing came up was that 
think we were just experimenting with different. I think Flans was the one who was like, okay, the, well, the drum, the, you know, set this, Brian, set this up, set this song up. The, let's play a pattern or a beat. And I think that collectively, this is what we came up with, you know? Mm. And I mean, you know, Tony, I'm sure, had some input about the rhythm and stuff and where the fill should go and whatnot. And that's how we kind of got into the song. Yeah. Tony, do you have any? So, so that's where this whole, this, the song that we came up with at, at Coyote was nothing like what, what we jammed on okay. at the end of those shows live. So that was more the well, lyrical but, thing. But the think, lyrical thing that came out of Flans was what yeah. carried over from that. Okay, I got you. Right. But I think, I actually think my bass pattern, mm. the bum, 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 I think that happened in the improvisation. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Because, wow. yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. As soon as I heard it tonight, I went, oh, yeah. Remember that. <laughs> That's oh, <totally>. awesome. <laughs> you totally. know, there's actually a bass tab on the wiki. You know, you don't always see these. There's always a guitar tab. But on the wiki, Too if you... If much you, information. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny, though. I'm looking at it, and... uh I'm like, yeah, you know, it's in, you know, it, it moves around a decent amount. It's not like craziness, but what I want to see is someone to tab out your slide part that ended up not making it on the record. That's part I want to talk about. But you know what? I should play the demo for the people because the John Henry demos, and I can't play the whole thing. I'll just play a clip because uh, they still have not put that on streaming. The John Henry demos, you have to buy the CD. You can buy a download, but you have to buy it. Uh, you know, they wanted to chart on the Billboard rock charts, which they did when, uh, in t- December of 2018 when they put out the John Henry demos finally and My Murdered Remains and The Escape Team. All three of those releases came out in the same month, December 2018. All of them were are still not on streaming and all of them charted on the Billboard Modern Rock charts <laughs> because, wow. because all of us dorks had to go and buy it. You know, we actually bought it. We didn't just stream it. And I don't know. I don't know why they're still holding back. But so I'm gonna play the demo here. Um, so this, uh, tell me the studio name again that these demos were done at. Excello. Excello. There you go. All right, let's listen to it. Now. the end there it does have a bass feature that didn't end up on the record so tony what what what's going on there what happened because that slide thing man slide bass you don't hear that whole lot 
I don't know. Hey. I wasn't consulted. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, it doesn't sound like it was chopped off. It sounds like maybe Flance was like, hey, the slide thing's cool. And, you know, you can do it on Conan, you know, in a, in a couple months or whatever. Because then you did it. And we'll listen to that later. But, like, the... Like, it goes to that keyboard thing at the end. Whereas on, like, Conan and on the demo, like, there's just this... Like, these big... Big, like, all the way up the oh, neck. Oh, John Linnell stole my thunder, He Brian. totally did. He wanted to Now that you tell me that his slide was on the demo, but not on John Henry, and was later on live on Conan. Yeah. I would have to agree with you, Tony. John Linnell did steal, steal your thunder. Son of a... He's the, star, he's the star of the show, so... Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm... Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna l- let me just verify this and, and get a problem on the computer. The ending, yeah, I need to verify the ending, but it's it's definitely on Conan. I know I heard it in two spots because uh, we'll also check out that um, that promo CD, which I've talked about with both uh, both you guys, I believe. Well, I know I talked about it on Snail Shell, the NYC live in NYC '94 promo CD. It's just a full day's ride away. It's just a full day's ride away. We can't fly like birds in the air. We can walk, but we never That's all over YouTube and stuff now. Still has never been officially released. It was not meant to be an album. But that thing at the Sony yeah. that? Sound Studios, right? Uh, oh, yeah. let, me, let me just verify real quick that there is the slide uh, based on the end of the demo before we talk incorrectly about this, because then I'll get hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let me just fast to go to the end. I also like... This. Well, let, let me check the end, because there's something at the beginning that's funny, too. Yeah, it's like there's all these like brr 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 brr, and then you're playing. You're definitely playing some like power chords or something on the bass because the bass is like way hot in the mix, like these big chunky bass chords that just like take over the song, and it's it's awesome. And then the Conan thing, yeah, I, I keep teasing it. We'll get to that later. Uh, but they definitely took the bass focus away from the ending, which is 
A shame. I mean, Linnell, I mean, he gets focused all the time, obviously. He's one of the Johns, but like, whew, a base well, ending like that? I, I want to say two things about that. One is I, after playing with Tony for many years and see, like, he, he has always been, you know, willing to experiment with his sound, get a better sound, try different things. And, and picking up the slide was definitely like, I've never seen anybody. And any bass player pick up a slide. I know, right? <laughs> riff, riff out on it, you know. But uh, definitely willing to break down the boundaries, you know, yeah. of bass playing and musicianship. And um, well, when you're f- when like your first major band is Pear Ubu, I mean, come on, it's like anything goes. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you want to hear on, there's some slide bass on a song called "Miss You." Okay, uh, a Pear Ubu song called Ooh. "Miss You." All right, and I'll there's a, there's a solo. <laughs> You know, like I was playing uh this is like with Scott Krause on one side of me yeah. and Chris Cutler on the other. So I mean talk about like flying high yeah. with those two cats. Right. <laughs> and then playing some slide. And then on this record that I have now, this MRT record, I play some slide. The slide I use is actually a rifle barrel cut what? down because it's nice and heavy. Wow. For bass strings, you need a heavy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's badass, yeah. man. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to say is that I just wanted to postulate that Tony was it was was it maybe Paul Fox that 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 cut that out of the arrangement? Maybe it wasn't Linnell <laughs> after all. Paul Fox, really? Yeah. I, I'm 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 just wondering. Well. Like, like, it, like, maybe, maybe he was. So the he's, one he was the producer along with the Johns. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, was it in the mix or was it when you guys were actually recording your bass in Flans or yeah, or Paul Fox was like, ah, maybe pull it back a little bit and yeah, you, no. you know, being a good rhythm section. We you definitely know, recorded it. We definitely okay. recorded it at the slide Bearsville, part. I thought. Yeah. And. uh and then we probably did the other version with the power chords so that they could pick. Uh, and uh-huh. they picked they pick power chords up here, you know, obviously. Well, yeah. well, what I was saying is the power chords are on the demo because when it gets to the actual oh. studio version, it's like, I mean, the bass part, it's still your cool bass part, but it's about where a bass would normally be in the mix. Whereas like on the demo, it's like, whoa, like they just raise it up and let you just kind of go nuts. So it felt like, Almost like they, uh, yeah, maybe you gave them a couple of different takes, right? I mean, you, I'm sure, you know, it's an electro record. I'm sure you did a million takes and then they went and like sliced stuff up. You know, that's what we do, right? Um, get that perfect take and you're probably like, here's a normal one. And that's the one they used. <laughs> like, here's what a normal bass player would play. Well, I mean, here's what know, the guy from Peru would like play. A producer, a producer for They Might Be Giants. It's not he's not going to be that interested in doing anything considered avant garage, you know? I, I mean, I guess, but like they signed them, you know, coming and then coming off of Lincoln, which has the weirdest shit. And then flood. I mean, he's got minimum wage on it and all these other bizarre stuff. It's just so weird for them to be like, well, now you got a real bass player, make him play normal bass player stuff. I don't, it's, I don't know. But, but minimum wage, their version of minimum wage. It's very, very polished. Oh, sure. It's, you know, it's I mean, like, <laughs> it does not sound like that slide bass. That slide bass does not sound like like minimum wage. Minimum right. wage just sounds slick. 
Yeah, yeah. John you Henry know, is and a. I think uh, that's what Paul was playing to. You know, sure. He wanted sure. it to be slick. He didn't want it to be avant garage. You know. And I guess that's why Honestly. they make you do demos when you're in a big budget thing, where it's like, okay, you guys go record it, and then we'll make sure we like it, and then record it again. I mean, it's kind well, of funny. Didn't. I yeah. mean, the, the, they, they didn't make the Johns really do anything. The Johns did that just because of mm. who they are and because yeah. they wanted to be excellent and they wanted us, they wanted us to be just like cracking when we got up there. And, and we were, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, uh, the Johns never needed to be told, you know, like <laughs> to do demos or rehearse. I mean, those guys, you know, they're well, definitely a yeah. coffee driven by coffee. Yeah, right. Well, and it was a different experience for them, you know, because, you know, they were touring with, you know, first you and JD and then, you know, and then and then Brian came in. They were playing with you guys, but it was the first record with humans behind them, you know, as and in part of the writing process. So, like, you know, yeah, them wanting to do a demo made sense. Like, let's uh, let's kind of feel it out first. You know, we got we got this guy that has two arms and two legs playing the drums now. I mean, we should probably check it out first. <laughs> Tony, have you heard these demos? No. Yeah, I, I don't think I have. I mean, maybe, I didn't even <laughs> know that the demos were out until... They um, just came out, yeah, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I found out, but it's all good. Get us out there, Tony, right? I mean, yeah. are you... Well, shouldn't you guys be making some stuff off those CD sales? I mean, you guys are on it. Or were you already like, you were paid long Tony, ago? Tony, you deal with that. You deal with that answer. I don't know how that would work. I mean, I would, I would say that there's probably something that we signed that says that you know we don't, we're not entitled to that. Um, but I mean, you never intend for demos to be released. You know, I don't, I don't know. We no, we we haven't, we haven't. I mean, I do get a royalty report for AKA Driver. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, but that's coming from BMG. That's not coming from they might be giants. Right. Right, yeah, that's you know you've got all your songs on there, um, making stuff off of that. So it's just throw it on the pile of money that you guys are making, right? <laughs> From a sweet streaming coin. <laughs> but that, that's that that's the way of the industry, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like that, you know, the old saying, uh, you know, the winner rewrites history. Mm. Well, you know, whoever owns the publishing really calls the shots. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of a gray area because it's demos. It's like no one ever intends for their demos to be released or they wouldn't be demos. They'd be the final thing, right? And then, you know, right. oh, we're doing a 30th anniversary of this and then we're going to put a bunch of stuff on it. So, like, those demos, I mean, who knows what you would have signed when it came to, like, oh, we're going to just go up here and, you know. We didn't sign a release. Uh, right. We didn't sign some, any kind of a release for the demos. But, Brian, I gave my side of it. What do you think, man? Uh, no, I think you're right. I mean, it's like, I mean, honestly, quite honestly, I, I mean, I think musicians should get, you know, should get what they're worth at all, at all times. But yeah. how much would we really make from this, Tony? It charted. Exactly. I mean, it, I mean modern wait, rock charts. What are we going to do? Like fight for, I mean, but, and, and, and so, I mean, that's my personal feeling. I, I could, I could be wrong, but right. Uh, Give me my 90 bucks for yeah, my exactly. cut of that. <laughs> 50, you know, and, um, that's what, and, and then I, I, I don't know why, why I want to keep bringing this up, but you, like Tony was saying like the, the, the biggest piece of the pie is the publishing and the royalties. Right. 
Uh, and and I on my what about the mechanicals on that, Tony? Though <laughs> the physical sales because the royalty report has gone down, and because we you would make money considerably more when people were buying CDs. And this is we're, because we're bought. not included in the electronic. I bet there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like that, that's that's that would be a, a, interesting. How how uh, we didn't we our rights didn't carry over into other mediums. We'd have to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, because you guys helped write the song. If you have songwriting credit on the John Henry one, it only makes sense you have it on the demo one. I mean. I'm not about to start some VH1 behind the music stuff here, but it does seem like you guys should be getting something for it. Because, like I said, it's not even on streaming. So we're not talking about nickel and dime stuff. We're, you know, it's physical media and paid downloads. No, but so, I'm talking about AK Driver on John Henry is, is streamed, right? Yes. So I'm not sure that we're earning a royalty on the streaming, right? Right, Tony? Not that oh. I'm. I don't want to get into the weeds on this for you. I don't want to bore your audience, but oh no, they're gonna love this. There's some inside baseball. <laughs> and to be honest with you, when I, when those royal, I've moved so many times. My royalty reports go to like my like four houses ago. Because <laughs> it's me like three years late. <laughs> <laughs> they're not coming to you by email anymore. Yeah. I mean, God, I mean, yeah, yeah. This- yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny because yeah, pre- you know, I prefer the paper too, Brian. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, we're all old here, but, you know, I'm a little younger. <laughs> I'm hitting 40 this year, so, you know, woo! Wow. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, and it's funny, because I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, all my, if anyone ever decides to cover one of my songs or whatever, I'm supposed to get paid, you know, and I have all the the publishing rights and stuff for the songs that me and my wife write and all that, but, like, it's, you know, we're getting, like, <laughs> you know, the streaming stuff comes in, it's like, hey, 10 bucks a year, hooray! <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Got, I got I got really happy when um I got a notification from, from CD Baby that I earned fifty bucks. Yeah, and that was five years of being on you know five years. Of my, of so I'm CD. Yeah, I mean, wait, I earned I earned uh, you know ten bucks a ten year. Ten bucks a year, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it costs more than that to to have them sell it for you. I know, right? Yeah, but um, <laughs> royalties though. I don't know why I, I this is coming to mind, but. And Tony, you would agree with this, right? But if, if technically speaking, if you play cover songs in a bar, you should be logging those songs in with ASCAP and BMI. Yep. Yeah, right. In the bar, has to yeah. pay. Yeah. I was actually just talking to this coffee shop owner I'm friends with uh, over here. We, uh, she used to host little shows and stuff. It's a little cool little hallway shaped coffee shop, and you know she would put us at one end. Me and my wife, when we were just a duo, and we'd play, and I played some solo shows there, and then all of a sudden, she's like, ASCAP came and said, I can't do shows anymore, and I'm like, you're this little, you're Java Roasters in Lafayette, Indiana, what are you talking about? And plus, if I'm playing my own songs, and I'm registered, you know, you know, I've got my stuff registered, it's my own songs, I would understand if I was a cover band. But I'm like, I'm playing right. my own songs. And she's like, I don't even know. She was just like overwhelmed. She was like, why are people, I'm just a coffee shop. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> I think it's just that, but well, it would be weird to pay, pay royalties on your songs to hope that you get a royalty. <laughs> right. But, but, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I doubt, a, I doubt people actually do pay any royalties uh, when they, when they play covers. Well, live. Yeah, I, I doubt it either, though I did have uh, a, a way back, I don't know, 2000, 2001, 
playing a show in uh, my alma mater, uh, Augustana College in the Quad Cities. You guys ever been to Rock Island or Devonport, Iowa? Rock Island, Illinois. You never took the Rock Island yeah, line? Not me, no. Okay. Well, Davenport, Iowa is where the primaries were. That whole Davenport shit kicks in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Moline, that's where John Deere started. All those, the Quad Cities. Bettendorf is the fourth. Anyway, we played a bar there. It was like Bruin View. And we were like playing in front of like a giant screen. And we started playing our cover of Weezer's Say It Ain't So. And some guy literally came down and yanked the PA out of the wall. And it was like, I told you no covers. And we're like, Oh yeah, we thought we just slipped that one by or like wow. you know. Uh and then at another bar, me and me and my wife, this is more like 2011, played a song by the Weaker Thans, this song, you know, this band from Winnipeg that's kind of more indie rock kind of thing. And we were just starting out, it was like our fifth show ever. We're like, we only know seven songs. We gotta fill a half hour. Let's uh let's just play the cover. They won't know it's a cover. Plus we like changed her from four four to six eight. It was like very very crazy kind of cover. And they didn't notice. So that's a right. couple instances of, of bars telling even a band that's making like fifty bucks off the show, like, don't play any covers. I'm like, fine. Right. Wow. Yeah, stuck it in. So weird how that stuff works. It's like you know, even if we went to John K. Sampson of the Weaker Thans, he'd probably be like, "Yeah, it's fine. You just played the song, whatever." You know, we paid, we we put it on an EP, and we paid the licensing for that. You know, I've always been above board with that. In the comp that Tony's going to be on, the Johns will get their stuff. I'm I'm using my Patreon money to pay for licensing, uh, to make sure it's all cool to sell for charity. You know, I'm going to use my Patreon money so that it can be all good to to then make the money for Garrett's family. So, yeah. and, I, and, and I will forgive Tony for cutting me off, off of that recording. <laughs> I'll make it a fun. Dude, record okay. a hand clap track or some tambourine. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. Go, go for it. Go for it, Milo. Yeah. It, yeah. My, Milo's beatboxing. You could record a track where you're just like, wiki, wiki, wiki. Yeah. <laughs> Be the icing on the cake, man. Uh, so back to AK Driver, man. That was a long aside about uh, some inside baseball stuff. But honestly, my my I've, I've done Google surveys and stuff with my listeners because it's to the point where you know, I'm getting like 2000 downloads an episode and stuff. So I'm like, I, this is kind of like, a, I'm spending like at least 10 hours a week on this thing now. And the wow. Patreon people are holding me accountable for content. So it's like, I've done some like market research and people are like, yeah, we want to find out about how someone keeps moving. My chair is actually an F Dorian. Like, I'm like, this isn't major or minor. This is in one of these modes, man. So I'm like figuring it out. And I'm like, people are going to be bored by this. They're not. Like, people want to hear about people in the biz. Um, Dan Levine, I talked to earlier today. He was talking about uh, playing trombone in Broadway shows and kind of how that works and how it's salaried and a union job and all this. And it's, it's really interesting to me. And I think people like hearing about this kind of stuff, honestly. So, so th- yeah, thank you, fellas, for going down that little tangent. Do you know where you can hear? more inside baseball talk oh i was gonna tony. say on your podcast yeah my podcast <laughs> tell people about it sure plug it man because tony is the first musician that i interviewed hell yeah Very first and like by tell far, people where they can hear it uh well i'm on anchor and i'm on spotify and it's called friends of music with brian doherty i don't know how i came up with that name but it's just my friend that i'm at <laughs> friends and music you know and uh yeah, who, who else have you done brian uh well i've interviewed um I, I interviewed brad elvis from the handcuffs and he's also the drummer for um he's a great great drummer actually and, i mean not not actually he's a great drummer period 
uh, and he is in the that band, The Romantics. He's been oh, he the drummer for The Romantics for like 30 years. He wasn't the original drummer, but um, I interviewed Gurf Morlicks, who produced and played guitar in Lucinda Williams' first oh. big album. How do, how oh. do you know Gurf? I know Gurf from, from way back. He's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. an amazing musician right yeah. there. Is that I, name short for something? What is, no, it, no, it would sound like it's like short or maybe misspelled, but... But that's his real name. But anyway, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I want to hear more about Tony and how he, and and how he started in the loft in Cleveland. Now somebody left a bass in his old apartment. Yeah. yeah, he talked about that on my snail shell episode. But you should definitely go listen to yours too. What yeah. thing I do want to tell you guys is last night I met um, I met Steve Bernstein again. Oh wow! Steve wow. Steve Bernstein played horn. In the first, was he the first trumpet player? No, in Frank the, was Frank London. It was Frank, yeah. and so that's where Steve got it. Frank and couldn't Steve, do it, so then he said yeah. Steve. And Steve, last night he was telling, he was thanking me for turning him on to rock music, which oh, wow. is so absurd. What? You know? Wait, what? Because he was only jazz guy or something, or what? Yeah, but I mean. He said he spent a year on the road with Little Feet, you know, oh, wow. recently. That's Cat's one of the most talented brass players. Yeah. He's been doing these brass choir recordings mm. over the COVID, like where he has 12 brass instruments, like from piccolo trumpet all the way up to like tuba. And he's doing these brass choirs. Like split screen stuff with him playing everything? That kind I don't of know. Oh, okay. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't like doing that. Was, I saw just a couple of them, and he's an just amazing musician. Oh, it's funny. Nine hours ago, I was talking about Frank London with with Dan Levine. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, yeah. I'm not, if I'm correct, I think Steve Bernstein played trumpet on Extra Savoir Fair. Yeah. Check that out for the no, not not for the uh, yeah for the studio recording. Yes, I. I'm, for the demo, I'm not certain. But for the studio recording, I'm pretty sure it was Bernstein. Oh. L- let me look. Actually, just I'm editing that episode. Uh, I can't remember if we talked specifically about that. Um, like hey, you are correct. Stephen Bernstein played trumpet on it, and Kurt Hoffman played sax. Yeah, and and somebody here played ukulele. You played it, Tony? Is that Tony, it, Tony, you're listed as ukulele on Extra Savoir Faire. Oh yeah, I remember Flans got Flans was all into me playing ukulele. <laughs> it's pretty you know, cool. Yeah. You know the guy was just the guy was just way way ahead of the curve. No, totally. Like u- ukulele is so popular now. Yeah. And look at how long ago that was. Oh well even you Robin, know? you know, him getting together with Robin and she's in, you know, she's way into ukulele stuff. Um what's her group oh, what's her group called? Um, because she's got a group where it's like ukulele based. You know, oh. uh, man, when they hit that chorus in AKA Driver, Flans' voice is so high. It's yeah. amazing oh, how high group. that guy could sing. Oh, I know. Oh, just for, yeah. for, for your own knowledge, her group was called Uke Till You Puke. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so AKA Driver talking about, yeah, Flans' vocal, like even right from the start. Days drive away. Like he's kind of up in his higher register there, not falsetto, but like top of his. No, not falsetto, just higher than all hell. 
Yeah, he's belting it. It's, I mean, it's such a rocker. Sean, I want, and I, I know we're, look, look, looks like we're moving on, but I want to touch on what Tony just said about Flans encouraging Tony to play ukulele stuff. Uh-huh. I would, I would just add that Flans would like always encourage us to like play more, play outside of the box, play different. What does this sound like? Try this, try that. And like, you don't really get, I mean, since Flans, I haven't really met a lot or, or worked with professionally a lot of artists who are just encouraging you. They're like, they're your coach. They're your cheerleader. They're, 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 they're like egging you on. They're pushing, you know, they're pushing you. They're getting in your face. Very rare. Yeah. And uh, usually pl- people play it safe or people know exactly what they want. And you, you just, you, you just kind of like do it, you know, or you yeah. just kind of add your flair here and there. So mm-hmm. like but Flans would always encourage us to find our personality. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And so, yeah, getting into the music on this. Uh, Where is Flans, Tony? Why can't Flans be here with us? Why can't Flans be the fourth box on this? That would be so nice. <laughs> you know, I, uh, t- Tony, I told you that like a year and a half ago, I went to go see them play up in um, up at House and Pauling. You three and, drummers uh, got that picture. I love that picture. You and Hickey and Marty. Yeah. But it was, it was you know what? Um, like. I, I I was a little ner- not not nervous, but you know I hadn't seen them in many many years. And first of all, they sounded great. They looked great. I mean, the band the band was great. But I think what I realized is that like the memories that I have of working with you know Tony and actually it was me Tony and John and John for a long time. It was just yeah. the four of us, you know yeah. that um I I could just tell from the look in Flans and Linnell's eyes when I was talking to them that those memories obviously don't look, you know, they've moved on so far. So many years has passed and like the stuff that's looming large in my mind, you know, that's so meaningful to me is like just a blip to them because they've, they've had 20 albums out well, since they've yeah. had 600 bands. They've, you know, they've, you know, so I, I think that that's that, life. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, you know, I you got to give yourself more credit though, because I mean, while Tony was only on one album and you were on two, I mean, I mean, technically, you ended up on a lot of Long Tall Weekend too, Brian. Um, but uh, and on uh, state, state, state songs too, and, and state songs, yes. And I remember talking to you about if Maine was actually firing a cannon because that's how it's listed in the liner notes. Um, but uh, like John Henry is that turning point, like. They Might Be Giants are about to hit their fourth decade as a band, right? They formed in 1982, one year after I was born. And uh, they're going to hit 40 next year in 2022. So, like, you can look at it in decades, or you can look at it like this. The duo up through Apollo 18. And then you guys kicked off, you know, in Spinal Tap terms, you know, Team uh, BG Mach 2, right? And, yeah. and so then, you know, the full band, I mean, you guys got it rolling. I mean, you guys were you know the 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 test subjects like the guinea pigs they're like will this work and you guys proved that it could work like they i you know they wouldn't be the band there today like if you if you guys came in you're like oh i don't know and then blah blah blah, and they'd be like fuck it we're back to the duo like things would be a lot different yeah yeah, true true. you guys gotta give yourself credit and again it's like being a parent like we actually my band actually wrote a song my wife writes all the lyrics because she's the more poetic one we wrote a song called Slip Away about how we have all these memories of Zinnia, all these amazing things that have happened as she's been growing up, but she's not going to remember any of it. 
because you don't start forming memories till you're like five, right? That's exactly like the jazz. That's what Brian's saying, right? Because they're right. Because you guys, you guys, I don't know if you're the parents in this situation. It doesn't really make sense no, but for them. No. <laughs> their yeah, memories, the right? <laughs> we're the ones who are forgot. Yeah, yeah. we're forgotten children. You you're know, the latchkey not, kids. <laughs> you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm not just saying like you're not right, Greg. But what I am saying is that Brian's a very astute uh, observer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what he said just rings true. And, true. and you're true. and you're being nice and you're being polite, and that's nice. But the truth is what Brian says, because that's just the way it is. You know, like for well, us, we yeah, only the did John, it for sure. this. We only did it for this short period of time. And you know, it was at a time in our lives when, you know, touring was like the major, our major source of income. So it was very, mm-hmm. very important to us. And, um, you know, we put a lot of time in But those guys. And then we backed off the line. Those guys have been on that same line. They've still been putting the time in like for another 27, 25 years. Yeah. So of course, yeah. They look at Brian and they go, oh, yeah, there's there's Brian, you know, the great guy, the funny guy, the, the good drummer. Like, there's Brian. But, oh, yeah. Hi. And, you know, that's exactly. it. Hey, one second later. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. I got it. Sorry. I'll, I'll talk to you later. And then they don't. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how it goes. Yeah. So, the, you, you would like this. They still they still do after show pizza. <laughs> what do they like on their pizza? This is the important information. And they're still eating it. I mean. I mean, I, I mean, not that I saw people wolfing down slices of pizza, but there, it was after those, you know, if you ever, if anybody ever, <laughs> if you're at Daryl's house in Pauling, New York, it's not like, you know, after the gig is over at 1130, there's, there's nothing around, but they somehow got pizza delivered. Yeah. <laughs> and, that was, and that was part of the, that was part of our thing. We'd, we'd have dinner before, but after show pizza. And oh, then yeah. after show pizza. And they're like, the band and crew were eating after show pizza and i was like Come wow. on, what just what, like does, what does linnell like on his pizza the uh, people want to know call i would just say i mean I, linnell i could be wrong but i think it was just plain plain <laughs> that sounds about right what about flans is he like like a hawaiian like he likes a pineapple no, no, or something no, no, weird no, no it was never anything exotic it was just usually like plain and pepperoni but it was just like regular pizza right, Dude, right? i hear that right yeah. After show pizza, and then there were some times where, like, there were some periods of time where Tony and I were like, was tre- really trying to be healthier. We were jogging a lot. Remember that, Tony? <laughs> we were cursed the after He's show. Laughing. Like, why, why, why? Like, we got to stop the after show pizza. Right? Dude, you know, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. I don't know if you guys ever played Bloomington, Indiana, with the band, but there's this there's this famous venue down there called the Bluebird, where like John Mellencamp kind of got his start, and like. Lou Reed has like popped in there and made surprise appearances like way back in the day, stuff like that. And there's a really awesome pizza place that does like the best New York style pizza that like the Midwest can get, you know? And I would play shows there because it's even a, a, a small enough venue that like I could play my bands are playing on like a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday or something, you know? And then you got to go next door for a slice after you left to the show. Nice. And you know, and I, I had a gig, uh, the, the, you know, my two bands have both gotten in a post-COVID gig, both outdoor gigs. And so we played a street festival, my band Doppelpopolis, on Saturday. And I'm like, 
Taco Bell. Like I'm like never like, dude, let's go get Taco Bell. But like after a show, you're like, I gotta eat like the shittiest possible thing for me right now. Cause I just rocked that so hard. I know. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like 1 a.m. and you're in the Taco Bell drive thru with all the drunks. And it's like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> now I just go for straight to the IPA beer. I don't even go to the food. <laughs> <laughs> that will, that'll fill you up too. Yeah. Go right to the beer. So, so Tony, why, why can't me, you, John and John do it, do a John Henry reunion? That would be amazing. People would love that. Me, me, you, and John and John. That was like the original Crown Vic crew. You know, people would love that. I guarantee it because so they just released a live uh, recording um, of them. They did in 2015, they did a full hour set with a backing track, like old school duo style. Cool. And and chased it with the the modern you know the modern quintet um uh, set as well and they just released that like soundboard recording you know it sounds great the banter of course plans you know they're hilarious uh like usual um but like people were like they ate that shit up and the Johns like the banter is full of like and now we remember why we don't do this anymore like all that kind of stuff you know very self deprecating uh great great recording and you guys you, I think it's on uh, their Bandcamp and stuff now too um but like. Doing these anniversary tours, like the Flood 30th anniversary is now happening on the 32nd anniversary, right? They should be doing Apollo tours. But like in 2024, I mean, it would make total sense to do like, I mean, it would be a good moneymaker for everybody involved to do the John Henry lineup, play the full album, and then they could do a second set with Dan, Danny, and Marty. How many do other stuff, right? Like 16 songs on that album, right? There's a lot of songs. There's a lot of songs. And and so, Tony, if we started practicing now, we can make (laughs) (laughs) three years worth of hashing it out. Yeah, man, I would kill to hear Destination Moon. I'd kill to hear Destination Moon with you doing that drum fill at the beginning. Oh, man. um, Yeah, that was probably straight off of that. And and thank you, but that's probably straight. Right, Tony, Tony, Linnell demos were pretty, pretty spot on, right? Locked in. Linnell knew exactly what he wants, you know? Yeah. You know, they got that vision in their head. I mean, that's the artistic type. It's just like, I cannot improve on this. It's, it, it, it it is so great, you know? Yeah. But played by a human is always going to be better than played by a Thank you. Sometimes I wish I had those demos, right? Linnell demo, those cassette tapes used to hand us, Tony. Yeah. The fan base would kill for that stuff. If I got a hold of one of those, my my listenership would go way up. He'd be like, this is the only place we can hear these cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> Linnell Timmons. Stuff that never even made it to dial a song. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cause that dial a song kind of well, dial a song kind of changed. They still call their YouTube channel like dial a song when they're doing, you know, a full run of songs or whatever, but it's not the answering machine. Like people people eat up the answering machine. The lower fidelity, the better, is what yeah. it seems like. You know. Yeah. And, and to that note, maybe we should let people listen to the Conan performance. I think, Brian, if you have not watched this yet, you got to click on the link in this email here and check out you guys uh, on, on Conan. I think I, mean, I remember it. I, 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 will, I will check it out while, while we're in live time. Because you just look so happy back there. Like, it's just yeah. the coolest thing. Yeah. Those to see you guys. I was happy. You're up. <laughs> back before kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you guys all look like you're having a ball. Like both of you guys are just smiling the whole time. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my next guests are currently in the middle of a North American tour that brings them to Rockwell Hall in Buffalo this Wednesday night. Now, here to perform a song from their new album, John Henry, are some real good friends of ours. They might be giants. Give them a hand. Yeah, that's the one that also has the slide. They let you do the slide, Tony. You guys had already recorded the album. And I guess then maybe you're like, okay, I'm gonna, they're going to let me go nuts again. It just didn't make the record or whatever. But man, look at you guys playing on Conan. And Brian, you're just a machine back there. You're like, I got to lock it in. Locked in. Yeah. I actually haven't seen this in a long time, actually. Yeah. So if I, if I lie, I'm, li- I'm lying to everybody. This was... Um, Wow, pretty cool. Yeah, it's got a lot of energy. So this could be, you know what, this could, Tony, this could be the, uh, th- this is what the John Henry reunion tour would look like. Yeah. Yeah. This, this what, what, I, what I also love is they did it, like, especially for Conan, I mean, being in town and not on tour, Linnell has lugged in some sort of organ. I, I can't tell... And he's also got the, a micromog or something there, too, on top of it. He's, like, bringing the heavy shit. I'll, I'll t- I want to say, t- Tony could probably add, add to this, too, but sometimes when you see these shows, even though we live in New York, we, we didn't come from New York. We, you know, we, we woke up at, like, 6 a.m. in Delaware, you know, not Delaware, but, you know, somewhere further away, like, you right, know, right. South Carolina and drove to, to – and but all this gear, some of this gear – Many times, this gear is rented from from studio instrument rentals, SIR, and um, so that's probably what Linnell's rig is. Tony, am I right or wrong? Or, or is no. right? You're right. Really? I mean, renting. I mean, it definitely looks like a Moog from the side. Like I'm a, yeah. a, a minor synth enthusiast, but looking at like the modulation wheel and the knobs, I mean, it looks like a micro Moog or a Rogue or something. And the micro is what they used all over those those early duo stuff. 
but live he would play the Nord because remember how he always used right. Well, used to always make fun of the wooden like little like the fake wooden lever on it. You know that it was wood. That was like really that would always mess with him. Be like I can't believe that thing's got a wood handle on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, my Juno sixty has the fake wood sides. Yeah, the uh, the fake wood paneling. I love that. Um, but like it's it's just cool to me that like these days and like Danny Weinkoff has told me he's like Linnell doesn't want to worry about gear anymore. He just wants something that works and it's gonna plug in. And it's gonna work. He's not worried about vintage stuff or any of that. Like Flans is Flans is the one that wants like the old amps and the weird guitars and all the pedals. And Linnell's just like let me plug it in and have it work. So like when you see them on TV anytime since honestly since the year two thousand. It's all these just the big, I don't know if they're 88 key, but they're big keyboards. Yeah. Very expensive, I'm sure. And it's like the same keyboard every time. I think he's updated it a couple times, but he's not bringing, you know, a Moog. I mean, that thing, like, you got to tune those, you know, it's like he doesn't want to worry about that anymore. But to see it here where he's like twisting knobs during that slide bass solo, he's like, you know, twisting the shit yeah. on an analog synth. Whew, that's, that's, man. I want to yeah. see him like bring a Moog to Indianapolis and just yeah, like totally. go nuts on it. <laughs> you know, is like an analog. I mean, he seems like an analog synth kind of guy. I mean, I, mean, I could, you know, um, Tony, do you remember, speaking of analog, do you remember we, we had a B3 organ set up in uh, the rehearsal room at Bearsville in the barn? Didn't you have a B3? I mean, is that what that is? I mean, do B3s have the two-tiered keyboards? Me, but... Unless I'm, you have no recollection of that, Tony. No, I I thought it was like what they call M100. Maybe it's like the Booker T. Okay. That's the Booker T. It's like a B3 that's chopped down. Okay, because it was <clears throat> kind of think that's what it was. It was it was a Hammond organ for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at one right now. I'm looking. I did a Google image search for that, and it kind of looks like that though. It, the one he's playing has a lot more draws, it looks like, on it. But it is two-tiered like that. It, it could be. And then it's got a nice flat spot on top. You know, you put the music stand down, you put the micro-moke on top. It's here, oh, like, I, I think you were, you were spot on about Flans enjoying gear because Tony and Flans would drag me to guitar shops. So like, I have no, <laughs> no interest in guitar shops. You remember uh, Lark Street Guitars in Albany, Tony? Yeah. That was one. And there was a guitar shop in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. And, I mean, there were guitar shops. Remember the one, where was it, in Syracuse or Buffalo, where we met the guy from the Chesterfield Kings? <laughs> that wasn't the House of Guitars. Yeah, before. House of Guitars, yeah. Is that yeah. in Buffalo? No, it's in, uh, what's the uh, what's the other one of those towns? Syracuse. Up Syracuse. Oh, Ithaca. Ithaca. Yeah, no, it's further. It's way further up. But okay, uh, yeah. Tony and Flans used to drag me out to to guitar that stores. Place like, amazing. Like, totally. Rod Rochester. <laughs> Rochester. Yes. Rochester. Rochester. That's where yeah. the house of guitars is. Uh, Rochester. Yeah. That's yeah. Where the house of guitars is. So this Conan performance is just. Incredible, and he just looks so happy to have the Johns every time he comes. You know, no matter what iteration of the band it is. But I love these early ones, and you could tell Conan is excited that they're showing up to his show with a human bassist and drummer. And like, 
He, yeah. you know, you, you can tell with those late night guys where they come on, they're like, yeah, popular musician, good job. And you can tell when Conan's like, yeah, you know, he's like, just killed it, you know. Whew. They got like some, you know, they put on some of the best Conan performances ever. And you could tell, you know, they're all, they're chummy and Conan's glad to have them and they're glad to be there. And that's just another good one. This was like a good band for the Conan show. Um, for, um, Either for this one or for the one um, where, where I play Glock, Glock and Spiel. I forget what. Yeah, shoehorn with teeth. But uh, <laughs> one of those, uh, one of those, you know, my parents watched it and, yeah. um, and, and, my, and my mom said something like, that was, that was pretty good. Conan gave you a good handshake afterward, you know? And it's like, you know, it's, yeah. Mom would bring up stuff like, yeah, he gave you a good handshake. You know, Back like, in the day, you know, getting a good handshake was important, especially the older generations, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, if you get snubbed on the handshake, that's a big deal. Yeah. 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 But, I, you know, on the wiki, it even says that this was, uh, Linnell said in an interview that this was supposed to be, this was almost the single before it went to Snail Shell. Do you guys remember anything about that? He, he said it in an interview in 1994. Um, I mean, it must have been right before... Uh, and this is in the Varsity University of Toronto. Like, there's even you can click over on the wiki to see the actual article, and it has that cool picture of you guys there. I love that promo shot. Oh uh, yeah, that one, the yeah. classic one, right? Where they're like, "Hey, look, we got two other guys in the band now." <laughs> I love that shot, um, Brian, with the, the epic hair. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah, the epic alternative era, alternative rock era hair. Uh, do you guys remember anything about that? That tidbit about it being, it was almost a single. I don't, Tony. I don't think I. I, w- I was never consulted about, you know, where how this song should rank or how they sure. should be presented or right. Tony, were you? Were you? Cons- no, I, I. I read what Greg's talking about this evening before we got started, and I was very surprised to hear that. I mean. Hmm. I mean, uh, you know, AKA Driver's got that really great um, chorus, but Snail Shell's a better song. I mean, it, I mean, as far as like a single, I'd pick Snail Shell over AKA Driver. It's just a better song. They're both great songs, but if someone said pick the hit, I'd pick Snail Shell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I I I feel bad sometimes because Flans has these great great songs, but Linnell's songs are always the singles, almost always. Because he's a yeah. bit of a genius, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, look at Birdhouse in Your Soul. My God, I mean, I whenever I hear that song, the man's craft just blows me away. That yeah, guy he's, is he's crazy good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Flans is is a genius songwriter, but also his. He's got that artistic brain where, like, Linnell probably doesn't care that much about the cover art. Where Flans is like, probably from like song one, he's like, We got a new album coming out. I got a couple songs written. I can picture, you know, the aesthetics of it. Like, he's like that guy. Also, the business end of it, right? I mean, am I, am I right with that? So they, they, I mean, I think what you're saying, and I think we, we would certainly agree that they, they both bring equal amounts to the table. It just manifests itself differently i mean flans is a freaking genius too i mean very very strong personality and knows exact very proactive i've never met anyone more proactive than flans about just doing anything like you know taking something from its inception to 
to the reality. No, never, 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 never met anybody like that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, the way that these guys can make these songs materialize out of nothing. I mean, especially just picturing the two of them in an apartment in Brooklyn, you know, in 1982, 83 or whatever, just like coming up with the weirdest stuff, like those early songs, Hell Hotel, like songs that didn't even make it to the first album. Just like you could tell these guys are having a blast just being like artsy fartsy weirdos, just like the coolest stuff, you know. And by the John Henry era, it's like, yeah, they were on Electra, but they were still doing weird stuff. I mean... You know, I mean, Spy, that's pretty crazy for a 1994 rock record. Oh, Do Not Forsake Me, like, with the, the bass lead vocal. Like, like there's some, and Stompbox. I mean, yeah. there's some crazy stuff on this record. But AKA Driver does get slot five, which may be on a normal, like, 10-song rock record. That's, you know, the mid-song, like, ballad or what, or the mid-album ballad. But for a 20, there's 20 tracks. So track five, that's still like, wow. you know, all that killer stuff at the front. You always put it at the front of the record. Um, or, you know, you want to have a bunch of killer tracks. So like Subliminal, Snail Seashell, Sleeping in the Flowers. And they bring it to with Unrelated Thing. And then AKA Driver to knock it back up. So it's still yeah. got that important slot on the track list for sure. So, I mean, it could have been single number two, but like Electro was like, I don't know if we want to pay for you guys to do videos anymore. Because apparently this was almost a video. This wow. Yeah. Would you have gone to Germany for that? Or was that specifically Snail Shot? <laughs> Maybe we would have gone to Germany for that one, Tony. I don't know. <laughs> and you almost didn't. I'm right talking about that for the Snail Shot up. So this one is like, hey, you guys are doing a video? Can we come too? Uh, no. I know. <laughs> so You're funny. Right. The, uh, so uh, other musical elements. I mean, obviously that 16th, like that constant, just like the persistent 16th note. Uh, drum stuff, you know, you go in the hi-hat to the snares. It's like, there's always 16th notes going. And then you get to the kind of, I mean, what I would call an on-the-beat punk beat. So you got two different punk beats. You got the offbeat. One and two and three and four and. And then you got the on-the-beat, the one and two and three, which you hear all of it, you know, Motown, all that stuff. But it worked its way into punk, which is hitting one, two, three, four, all with the snare. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a cool little trick because, like, you'd think, like, oh, maybe I'll go to the 16th in the chorus. Right. But no, you bring it back to the 8th and you're just pounding it, like, and as a punk drummer, like, both those moves, super fast hi-hat, that's a good move for a punk band, and then just hitting four, all, all four on the snare. Yeah, both yeah. Both beats in that song, transitioning to, between those two, has always made this song for me because as, as a drummer... Uh, you know, initially in rock bands, I was a drummer for the longest time um, before I picked up the guitar for real. But uh, that's why this song always spoke to me was was the drums. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank drums you. are killer. Thank, oh. thank you very much. I, I, I'll just say that uh, I don't I don't know how much of it was conscious. And I, I would say a lot of it is just kind of like off the cuff. Whatever came to me and whatever came to us, whatever felt good when we were working on that song. So sure, and I mean, it makes total sense with what Flans is doing. Like that, you know. There's, I mean, doesn't he have some like tremolo effects on his guitars? Like ta -ta 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 -ta. there's all these little like ta -ta 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 kind of moments in the music. So like going, I mean, it made total sense. So you probably heard the Flans demo, and you're like, it's got to be 16th notes on the hi hat, right? I mean. I don't think there was a demo on that song. That's oh, that's why really? we went to Excello. Or no, no, like a pre-demo demo, right, where they'd hand you the cassette, like no, that kind of. I don't think there was a demo. I think it was. Just, 
idea. So yeah, that, that in itself makes it unique, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, that's why I got songwriting credit on it. I mean, it's so, so cool. And so this song, I mean, Tony is the guy who's playing, laying down, you know, the harmonic progression. Uh, so the song's in D minor, but then does it switch to D major in the chorus or switch to G major? I don't know. Is this kind of stuff you, you would recall? Would you be able to pick up a bass and just play this song? Do you recall these kind of things? Yeah. I'm looking like, at the chord chart. Yeah. It's like. Na, 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 na. <laughs> hey. So that's the chorus. Is yeah, that's G? what I'm saying. It's major. It's got F sharp, so it's got to be in G, right? I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. So, but then the full day's drive away part, D minor, you got D, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got B flats in there. So yeah. D minor, yeah, D minor makes sense there. I mean, I love a good key change that you don't really, you don't notice it. Like, you know, there's those key changes where at the end of the song, they're like, and I've been guilty of this too, let's bump it up a step, you know, to bring it home. But like a key change where you're like, oh, I didn't know there was a key change in the song. I mean, that's a good key change. Right? Yeah. yeah. D minor, I think it was, G major. I think the song was pretty much based all, quite a bit on the bass line. Yeah, dude. And uh, I don't think it was like really, uh, I don't think I really calculated it, sat down and composed it. But um, it was just kind of like that. That beat was very inspiring. And, you know, because Flans wasn't playing anything, I could just do whatever I wanted. And that's what yeah. I did. That's, that, that's really what happened. I wanted to know your thoughts on the, the hypercard. And I've talked about the hypercard uh, with um, Tony. So John Eulis, who I've already brought up, does all this cool stuff for the community, um, used this what used to be a flash. Oh, did we lose Brian? Brian, he come already, back. He went, he went to bed. Yeah, he was just like, peace. Not even going to say goodbye. Uh, the, the, John, the John Henry hypercard. Did you click over to that? It's got all those funny little, I mean, I guess what you call them, MIDI. Mike Buffington and Bryce Hurst also contributed to this. So yeah, I love this. John Henry Sampler.stk. They might be giants has com just completed a new Elm, John Henry, which will be in stores this August. But you don't have to wait until then to experience the 20 new songs, interpretive snippets, and extremely crappy low fidelity. Yes, the hyper card. Yeah, man. Did you have any thoughts on those covers just real quick, or did you did you get a chance to listen to those three? Oh, they were okay. I mean, uh, nothing super weird or inventive, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like the Giants do it so well, there's really no, no need to do it like them again, you know? But I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too harsh because obviously the kids love them and everything. But yeah, I mean, I kind of felt like there was a couple from, uh, Snail Shell that I thought were a little more inventive. So, yeah, those, those covers, the only thing I want, you know, while I still got you on the phone, Daryl Till 
has had more covers on the show than anybody. He's the piano guy. You can see just his hands in this one. And this is a 12-year-old cover. The, you know, you know the bridge, Flans doing that crazy guitar. I want you to hear what he does. And let me give you an exact time stamp here. The bridge, the way he does the bridge on the piano to kind of cover that. Like he's like, I'm just gonna do make up something cool. I think that's cool. Yeah, Daryl Daryl rules. Uh, so mad props to Astral B. And yeah, I'll just record a little thing myself, uh, just introing those couple of covers. Just you know, these these you know these people like getting props on the show. Sure. And, uh, couldn't hurt. Like the guest host, this other one, he did a snail show cover that we listened to last time too. Pretty straightforward, as well as Kyle Richards. So I'll drop those in in post. Yeah. 
Yeah, you just you could sign off, and we'll call it a night. Cause I'm tired too. I mean, I I put that iced coffee in me, so I'm like, but it's about to start wearing off. <laughs> Are you a big coffee drinker too? Um, I had my coffee this. Um, guess it was like around three or two o'clock today, and then I had some green tea at about five. Sure. Yeah, man. Like, uh, let's say good night to all the good people out there. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'd like to say good night and thank you, Greg. But also, let's let's keep this uh, going for Garrett, right, Garrett? Yes, Garrett. Yeah, yeah, Garrett. So, yeah, Garrett. You got this. You got this, yeah. man. Totally. He, yeah, he was a champ through the radiation. So chemo. I mean, if he just keeps rocking it and keeping that positive spirit, because he is just like when I went and saw him, he was two weeks into radiation, and he was still smiles and just like you know you can see him starting to kind of get sleepy and stuff but you know his mom is tough like i said made it through cancer herself twice lost her husband she's got a very supportive boyfriend right now i think they're um you know so he might have a pretty cool stepdad coming you know coming coming his way so that'll that'll be good for him um but uh he's got a support system you know they've had it rough they've had a rough run of it you know but uh He's still got a smile on his face when I see him, so it's, uh, you know, I, I have very high hopes for it, and um, everything's going well so far. So thanks again, you guys, and uh, yeah, everyone should go listen to Brian's uh, podcast. You can find it. It looks like you can find it pretty much anywhere. I saw it on uh, Apple, too. You can um, find an Apple, Spotify, anywhere. anywhere. And uh, Tony, if you want to plug anything else, tell them the, uh, uh, the website for your studio again or anything else you want to tell them. Our studio, studiogbrooklyn.com, if you want to see what we're doing over there. And, um, you know, i um, been working on a project called Tower and Star. There's a lot of videos and, and new music that people can access if uh, you check out uh, Tower and Star. Um, and, yeah, that's about all. Um, yeah, good, Tony. Yeah, and people can follow you guys on uh, Twitter then. And, uh, uh, Tony's just at uh, Tony Memone. And Brian, you're at I am Brian Doherty. Yeah. The one, the only. That's right, the one, the only Brian, Brian Doherty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, nice to see you, man. Good to see you too, Tony. And and thank, thank you very much, Greg. Appreciate that. Of course. I'm so happy to have you guys on together. That was great Dude, hearing all the stories. What? Like, um, you know, this, the minimum wage cover that we did, yeah. I thought it had to be I thought it had to be handed in today. Doesn't it yeah. have to be handed in till next month. So I'm gonna send you an MP3 that starts at zero. <laughs> and if you do want to add some tambo or if you want to add yeah, some like sure. chorus vocals, do sure. it. And then okay. send it back to me and I'll mix it into the uh to the original. Yeah, uh, man. Uh, Dude, we'll, we'll love to. Wait till you hear this thing, man. It is right. the wildest minimum wage cover. I mean, yeah, send it right away, man. He told me. He told me. He said. He said, "Go Perubu on it." Yeah. <laughs> That's all you got to tell Tony. You just, 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 just gotta unleash him. That's it. Yeah, this yeah. is so true. I got. I have the original, like you know, Perubu synthesizer sprayed all over that thing. You know, yeah. right? I did a couple passes. I even let Milo do a did a pass on it so uh yeah i'll send it to you man i'll send it to you uh i'll send it to you uh not tomorrow but the next day like when okay. i have a day off okay and uh yeah have some fun with it definitely i think like a little 
you know, like some fun tambo might be nice okay. in the chorus. It's only a minute long, so okay. yeah. it won't take yeah. you long. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love a song that's a minute long. Yeah. That's right. a oh, yeah. beautiful thing. It's so much easier for okay. mixing too. It's like you just put it on loop and just like yeah. sliding stuff as it goes. Yeah, no, that's Very great. Easy to make it arc, you know, because it's only a minute. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. I recorded a song that was 27 minutes long once and nearly killed me. <laughs> Not my song. I couldn't write anything past four minutes. No way. <laughs> wow. It was intense. A really good song. But anyway, I digress. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop off. It was great seeing you guys. Hey, guys. Good, good night. Right, good night, guys. Take care. Night, night, fellas. See ya. So we had to get off the call quick because, uh, you know, we're all old and it got late. I contacted the guys after and said, we forgot to score the song. So they uh, both gave it a 7.5. I am actually going a little bit higher. It is probably my favorite playing song on the record. I am going 8.5. I actually like it more than Snail Shell. Uh, And yeah, I think that'll do it. Thanks everyone for listening. If you're hearing it right away when I release this, Uh, July 9th, then you are awesome charity people who are paying patrons who have given money to get through Patreon, or your people who bought it off of Bandcamp. Thank you all so, so much. Uh, I just talked to Garrett's mom yesterday. He had to have uh, the pressure relieved in his head uh, a couple days ago. Uh, It was building, and they had to put, uh, I guess you call it a stint in there to relieve the pressure so he was a champ through that and as uh this is being released he is actually starting chemo today everyone could just keep him in your thoughts but we've got this cool thing going on with the compilation uh the compilation actually we just figured out the title and he helped me come up with it it is going to be called purple toupee even though it does not have a cover of Purple Toupee on it. We thought that was kind of funny. Garrett and my favorite color is both purple. And uh, I'm going to do a photo shoot with him pretty soon. Uh, I bought some crazy purple wigs for the two of us. We're going to do a little photo shoot when he's up for it. And that'll be inside the comp. So, you'll be hearing Tony and Milo Maimone plus Brian Doherty doing minimum wage as well as the ones you've already heard on Patreon. If you're Patreon people, you've already heard the Double Clicks, Birdhouse in Your Soul. You've already heard the Franz Nikolai from Hold Steady. You've heard his I Am Not Your Broom. I think you'll be hearing another one pretty soon, but you'll hear Dylan Baldy from the Cloud Nothings doing a Spines Spine medley. You'll hear me and Adam in his package doing Alphabet of Nations. You'll hear Pet Symmetry doing Boss of Me. You'll hear Mustard Plug doing number three. So much good stuff on there. Oh, Bob Nana. And I'm drumming for him doing Erase. Bob Nana of Braid and Hey Mercedes. As well as a heavily curated lineup of my bestest friends and coolest cover artists uh, around the TMBG scene. So, very excited about that. Purple Toupee, this is the official announcement of the comp title. Thank you, Patreon people, and thank you, uh, paying Bandcamp people. You're the best. If you're hearing this a month late, thank you anyway. I hope you enjoyed the episode.
Um, so thanks again. People can find the, uh, this might be a podcast.com. Mm, John Ulis, make me that new website. Uh, I'm tired of this Tumblr thing. I know you're listening to this one. Uh, and <laughs> uh, Instagram, this might be a podcast with underscores under everything. Go there. I'm posting pictures of uh, Tony and Brian here and all other kinds of silly stuff. Uh, tweet at me, this might be a pod. Email me, this might be a pod at Gmail. And leave a voicemail. Please tell me what you thought about this combo with Brian and Tony. Uh, l- l- help me pump up this charity uh, drive by leaving me voicemails to put into the regular episode. So then people will go by that episode, right? 224-801-2930. That number again is 224-801-2930. Next charity episode uh, is going to be with... Danny Weinkoff. Yeah. Going from a past basis to the current basis? Sure. Rocking it. Uh, he'll be talking about elephants. Uh, and then we're going to have one from Justin McElroy about the captain. Uh, that's in August. And then Mike Park has not picked a song yet, but Mike Park of Asian Man Records, uh, Bruce Lee Bands, Kanka Pickle, o- OG Kubo Station, and all of that good stuff. Uh, I'll let you know when I pick his song, but those are the other charity episodes coming out this summer so thanks again everybody for donating peace It's just a fun